You are listening to The Weekly Therapy. I'm your host, Angela Welsh, and I've been a stylist, photographer, and beauty professional for 22 years. And I'm here to talk to you guys about all the nitty gritty when it comes to the beauty industry. We're going to talk about clients. We're going to talk about therapy. What is therapy? It's the therapy you give your clients every single day in the chair. We're going to talk about everything there is to know about the beauty industry and how to be the ultimate entrepreneur. Welcome back to the Weekly Therapy. This is your host, Angela Welsh. And tonight you get the lucky pleasure of having the Michael Welsh as my co-host. He is the producer of this podcast. He's also a content creator and a media director for our church, as well as a contractor. I'm really excited to be here today. What's our topic? Goals team building and just how do we do this thing together. I think it's important to maybe share your behind the scenes work in the salon. How many salons have you opened? I feel like I've opened half a dozen. <laughs> Between opening my our first one, Angela Welsh Designs, and then we moved me from that point to like a rental chair where we had to like just move me into another salon where I was renting a chair before Avi Marie was born and then long break and then a little studio for mm-hmm. a couple years and then long break because we had MJ and then the little shop here in Gig Harbor before we opened Lash and Blow Beauty Bar. Yes. How many is that then? I told you it's like six. <laughs> it feels like six. Feels yeah. Like a half so. a dozen. I don't know. Even the little shots because it's always doing all the little things. All like the little things. Hanging mirrors, chandeliers. I'm like a pro at chandeliers. Lighting is everything. So I mean, you're really good at chandeliers. <laughs> Real good. Little ones that from. The big box stores or custom ones that are heavier. Yes, it's all about chandelier. But, I mean, you want to talk about goals, goal setting, team building. That's like a few episodes. Yeah, this, I mean, I kind of maybe thought that it might be a part one, part two, part three kind of thing. And I think, you know, people are going to like hearing your take on things. And just how you and I work as a team because, well, so in 2020, you left the fishing industry. I've talked about this on the podcast a lot. You've left the fishing industry. We just figured out like, okay, we got to we got to shift. We got to do another shift in our career path. Our first big shift was you know, you going from fishing industry to a different fishery. But this life shift was you opening up your construction company, me opening another salon and us basically buying a flip house. Like we literally ripped the bandaid off and did like all these things within like a couple months and people thought we were crazy, but it all had to happen that way. Um, I knew I couldn't go back to work if you were up in Alaska fishing because I had three children and basically, you know, starting a new business meant, you know, I wasn't going to be getting them paid the amount that I would. So in order for us to support each other in our new ventures, we basically had to open two businesses at the same time, uh, Three Michaels Construction and the new salon. So what do you think was, well, I don't know. How do, what do you want to say about all that is what basically what I'm going to say. We fast forwarded literally 17 years. <laughs> so we need to start in the beginning. We have to go back to. Well, I've already talked about talk a about, lot of that stuff. Yeah, but on your the side, not my side. Let's talk about my side and what we have learned. That's what you want to talk about, right? What we sure. have learned over the ups and downs, all the complaining you've heard me do. 
throughout the days of fishing, either on my own boat or with the big company and all the ups and downs. Well, I think like what people don't. Yeah, I think that I think that's like one of the key points is what we're going to talk about and how we're going to tie that all together. But you have been really successful at is inspiring and mentoring young men, mostly you know, 99.9% of men on the fishing boats, coaching them. Like you're basically, okay, when you're on a boat, first of all, let's let's just talk about this for a second because this is always a fascinating topic for people. Like when you're on a boat, you can't just <laughs> get off the boat and leave. So, you know, you've had crew members that have quit mid, mid-trip. You've had complete greenhorns. You've had guys fall overboard. You've had... <laughs> Like all these well, things that have happened, that's but what like I'm saying this is a yeah. lot to open up here. I mean, you just <laughs> everyone wants to know. Okay, someone falling overboard is it like deadliest catch? Right? Then you're talking about uh, greenhorns. Do do people even know what greenhorns are? Do we even know? So let's go to the definition of a greenhorn. A greenhorn is somebody basically fresh off the let's say streets in a sense because we that's what we say in the fishing industry because you're off pavement. But why do we call them a greenhorn? Because when they get on the boat, usually they're sea hit seasick and it's we say green in the gills so you're gonna mm-hmm. start throwing up yep basically mm-hmm. what it is now have you ever had seasickness i have actually when when i was 18 <laughs> you lied to me you said you never get seasick it was one time i went up on this big boat as a crew member i graduated high school uh, i don't know if i told you graduated high school on a friday or saturday we did our senior cruise trip thing and my dad got me a job because he's like hey you need to go and make some money because you're not doing anything with your life because mm-hmm. i hadn't really applied to college yet so i really didn't know what I wanted to do. I just know I didn't want to go to college right away. I didn't want to waste any money or any time. So he's like, you're going to go fishing. So I went up as a greenhorn processor on like a, I think it was a 250 foot boat or 300 foot boat. Mm -hmm. So wait, hold on, put a pin in that for just a second. What people don't realize is that from like zero to five, before you went to kindergarten, your parents, their main home was a boat and well i think they need to know this like this 90 percent of your not 90 (laughs) percent probably 50 percent of your life you lived on a boat i think that was probably a safe number um to say 50 percent of your life you lived on a boat and so you were sort of born into this industry and but you had to work your ass off when you went up as a processor you had to start at zero your dad, just because your dad got you kind of the foot in the door, you didn't get like special treatment, even though like later, treatment. right, even though later on when you became like a chief, people would be like, oh, you know, daddy's boy, you know, became a chief because his dad's chief. But you had to really earn that spot and you earned it by working really hard and by coming back into the industry after when we tell people like what you did in the interim like they're gonna be like wait what you were a, a gymnast yeah and then he well, came back we well I know but we're, we're gonna give the Michael we're gonna give the Michael Walsh background here but then you later on in life decided to come back when you were a young man into the fishing industry right before you and I met and then you did that for basically 20 years all right let's go back to the fascination fascinating part of your parents growing up on a boat (laughs) when we were like I don't know I want to say zero to five or at least one to five maybe two because I have a few sisters and 
the one that's right under me. Her and I lived on the boat with my parents. Until you were about five, until kindergarten. Yeah, five, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, But people don't understand, which I think is personally crazy, because I cannot imagine you and me. Having two toddlers. You and me on a boat? On a boat with our two kids. That's crazy. We didn't have life jackets. Heck no. I mean, we had it, but we weren't wearing the life jacket. We have pictures of me pulling it. I think I was like four or five. It's like the most fascinating thing. A little, a little tuna, like a little, I don't know, six, seven pound tuna. Yeah, no life jacket, no yep. shoes, just, you know. On the deck. They were hippies. Out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I, mean, I think we, we can, say the it's safe of to say nowhere, your parents were hippies. Yes, but they were styling hippies. They were, really picture, cool. they were really cool. They were really cool Sideburns, bell bottoms. At some point. I think this is such a fascinating story, but I think at some point we need to have them on as a guest because I think oh it would be gosh. really, really funny. <laughs> Just interview them like what <laughs> what life was like living on a boat with two toddlers. So if you're listening to this, you're a parent. Imagine having two children under five on a 70 foot ish boat. Mm-hmm. Not and we're not talking like, you know, yeah. It's like a yacht. We're talking a fishing boat, okay? A working. Yeah, it's nothing like people would ask me all the time, do you ever go out with your husband on the boat? I'm like, when he starts fishing on a yacht that looks like something Jay-Z and Beyonce live on, yes, count me in. <laughs> but until then, no. I've seen the boat. It does not inspire me to want to take a trip on a boat. No. And especially not with my children. <laughs> exactly. No so. When we say out in the middle of nowhere, it literally is anywhere 360 degree direction you look, Mm -hmm. all you see is ocean. Yeah. That's all you see. You're not next to land. You don't even see boats for days on end sometimes. I mean, they would take the boat from, let's say, the West Coast, so California, out to Hawaii, Mm -hmm. down to Mexico. I heard they told me one time they went up to Anchorage or Dutch Harbor to offload one time. I'm like, you did what? That's crazy. So, and, oh yeah, the boat only travels about... 10 miles an hour. <laughs> no TV. And I remember this no time. No internet at that time. Yep. No internet, no TV. Mm-hmm. No social, so when I no first nothing. met Michael, um, I met him through a friend, a high school girlfriend, basically, that he had knew, knew had in high dated. school. Yeah, they dated in high school. So Michael was 27 when I met him. I was 24. But he, I met, I met him, and it was like he was like, "Yeah, I'm getting ready to go fishing," and I'm like, "You're you you do what?" And then (laughs) he was like, "Yeah, I'm leaving in two weeks," and I'm like, "Great. Well, this is gonna be a really fun two weeks." But nice knowing ya. Two weeks turned into six weeks, so we got to know each other a lot better. And then he was like, "Yeah, you just come down and see me," because where from where I live to where they offload was about three hour drive so I would just drive down and see him on the weekends and you know that's how our relationship started but there was no I mean there was internet but this is like 2004 2005 so like when he said to me I can email you I was like I don't even have a computer what like (laughs) I mean text messaging was t9 you guys so there wasn't like we were having conversations in text message when we first met and he's like, I'm leaving. And so here I am starting this relationship with this guy who lives on a fishing boat, basically. And I can see him in a couple weeks, maybe. And uh, he's going to email me. <laughs> but there, you know, there was a satellite phone, but that was supposed to be only for emergencies. And then uh, 
you did end up calling me quite a few times, but just to basically just tell me like two thousand dollars, something like that. Because yeah, because it was. But there was I all, think it was ten dollars a minute. I want to say. Yeah, something crazy. But <laughs> he'd only call me and be like, "Hey, babe, I really miss you. I'm coming into town this weekend. Can you come in? Can you come down and see me?" And I'd be like, "Yeah." So, anyways, it's like a free little not I don't know about free, but you had to at least travel the little little fun little getaway every I don't know yeah. seven to ten days that's or so. We'd stay in a hotel. Romance while. started. It was it was romantic actually. It was it was fun. It was exciting. It was like just interesting, and yeah, that's how we kind of started. Every, something new every couple of weeks, really. I mean, you'd come down. Yeah, you'd come. But down you and... you'd only been doing that for about a year because after college you left and you'd done some fishing but you didn't want to do that you left for college to be a gymnast and uh get into exercise science because when i had gone fishing yeah. at 18 as a processor i he wasn't was like, even Heck thinking no, i don't want to do that a, ever yes, again i wasn't thinking engineer <laughs> i wasn't wheelhouse no nothing and i was like yeah like you said i, I do not want to do that i want to stay on land mm-hmm. this is not where i want to be it is funny how like I mean, I think that kids like at 18, like when they go off to college, they have no idea what they want to do with their life. Even I didn't go to beauty school right away because I thought I was going to be a dancer. And, um, you know, we have these like ideas of what we're going to be in life. And then, you know, life changes and you start to realize, okay, like I actually want to make money and I actually want to do something that I'm good at. And like, how do we, how do you figure that out? You know, I mean, I think that a lot of people go into the beauty industry thinking, well, I guess I'll just do this. I don't. It, it, and the reason I say that is because I went to beauty school with a ton of girls. And I would say maybe only five of us are actually still doing hair that I know of. Um, but like our the percentage of people who go to beauty school is that actually end up doing hair is very, very low. Um, I'm sure it's even lower uh, with you know, like the fishing industry. I mean, you were, it's not like you were going to, you didn't, not that many people go into the fishing industry. That's why the industry is the way it is, but. Correct. Well, back to your point about hairdressing and, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, it relates to the fishing industry. I had uh, this guy that works for me and he asked me how you got into doing hair and Mm -hmm. your own salon. And and I asked him, I was like, well, why? And he's like, well, his girlfriend is thinking about it. And I said, well, here's the thing that no one tells you. One, you have to be, in my opinion, you have to be an an artist number two you have to be a people person Mm -hmm. any sort of entrepreneur position or if you're going to want to move up you have to be some sort of people person you know a lot of people talk uh, you got to play the politics that's only going to and so he was like oh and i told him too the other thing is like once you finish school and you get your certificate or your degree Mm -hmm. Literally it means nothing. It doesn't mean. I know it means I mean, that you could touch someone's hair. Yeah, it means that your <laughs> but it doesn't safety mean that and your sanitation is uh, up to par. Up to par. Well, yeah, and so, but it doesn't mean that you're gonna automatically make money. Like nope. people don't realize that you go on a boat. Okay, you're gonna make money. Don't get me wrong. Whatever position you are, but it's not like it's easy work. Mind you, when I was a, a processor, we're working sixteen and a half hours a day. Seven days a week 65 yeah. to 90 days straight also how many guys do you think you've trained up in the 20 years that you for fishing that are actually still fishing just to kind of compare apples to apples okay so 20 years i would say how many guys 
One year I went through, one summer, I went through 11 crew members. Mm. And not one of those guys are still fishing. Out of go. one season, remind you, like you said, 20 years, so basically 20 seasons. Yeah. Um, sometimes I would say one year we'd do two seasons because I would be tuna fishing. And then I'd go on the bigger boats mm -hmm. as an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same with those guys. I mean, yeah. as a chief, let's You're just say literally cycling through people because people mentally can't. A lot of people just mentally can't take it. Well, being I out always, the ocean. I always put it at not only that, but it's like everyone just looks at a dollar. Everyone mm -hmm. looks at dollar. Okay, you're gonna be an engineer, or you know, you're in the wheelhouse. You're the captain or wheelhouse or mate, or you're gonna be an engine room as an assistant, an oiler, an assistant, or a chief. everyone looks at the big money. Oh man, you're in the position. Because as engineers, we only had to work 12-hour days, right? But still, 12 hours on, 12 hours off, 7 days a week, 60 to 90-day contract. You don't get a day off. Granted, it's 12 hours, so it's really nice. You get treated differently because you are an engineer. However, you know, guys would look be like, oh, well, you know, you're the captain boat or you're the... No one realizes that everyone wants that position, but no one wants to deal with the BS that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And the accountability and or, you know, you always have to answer to somebody, even though it was, you know, I was the captain of, quote, my own boat. I was still a business partners with my dad. Mm -hmm. So I still had to answer to him. You know, we had to catch X amount of fish per day because we had to pay, you know, these bills, whether it be fuel, food, crew members, whatever it may be. Right. Pay out myself. And then being an engineer, you know, we're still everyone thinks it's a lax job, but. You have to constantly show up. Mm -hmm. You have to constantly just better yourself, I guess you could say. And I think that's the other thing is people get into these management positions or want to move up and they think that's when they should. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just like, uh, okay, you went to beauty school. You have your certificate. I can relax now. People are just going to come to me and I'm just going to make money. I see that all the time. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like, did I, did I want to work in a mall? No. But I knew that that was probably the fastest way to build a clientele. So I'm like, okay, I got to do this for a certain amount of time before I have enough clientele where I can lease my own chair because I knew that was going to be my goal. Then maybe someday I can open my own salon, you know, and then it's like you have to start somewhere. Um, I think that like social media, a big part of social media has changed people's outlook into or it just kind of has sold people this pipe dream that like you can be have be an overnight success. You can be an overnight success as an influencer or, you know, online celebrity or whatever. There's like immediate success in whatever you're doing. And no, like every single person that you, you see that is successful with their quote unquote overnight success, put in time and effort and still have to work at something to be successful or to maintain a level of success. It, it You're never going to be able to just relax into not doing something and just, you know, make money. Sure, there are ways that you could make passive income. Um, I mean, and I, we aren't against that. We literally are trying to create multiple streams of income that we don't have to work on every single day. That's the that's the goal. But that and that's ultimately why you left fishing so that we could, you know, kind of start over. I was doing uh, you know, network marketing, affiliate marketing before opening this second salon and we kind of saw I mean you came home from fishing not having any social media whatsoever. And 
We just started social sharing lots of different, we, we call it throwing spaghetti at the wall because some things would be, be good and some things wouldn't, you know? And now you've completely been able to create another whole business. You're still doing construction, but that's more, you know, like you're doing media half, half the time and construction the other half. The main goal now is to continue to do media but people people do kind of like huh how did you go from this to this to this you know from fishing to construction so first of all let's let's talk about that how do you go from being a chief engineer on a fishing boat to a contract well let's back up let's go how do you become a go from being a crew member to an event to a chief engineer because it's the same thing as any business you're always coming up you have to put in the time everyone forgets that it and everyone starts at zero it's the same with social media same with switching you know going from fishermen over to construction right and then from construction to media you still start at zero everybody starts at zero have to put in the time whether it be long days long hours but it's that consistency it's that do it even on the days you don't feel like putting it in, putting in the work, you still do it. It's the same thing. I mean, how many times did we, I don't know about, I don't know if it's necessarily arguments, but how many times did we have to discussions when you're like, why do you have to work so much? Why do you have to keep going to the boat? Why do you have to work late? Right? And it's mm -hmm. all in, and it was for me, it has to be the long, you want to be successful. It is the long game. Very few people can have the quote overnight success. You yeah. and I are 20 plus years in industries overnight success and we're constantly learning. With that, it's literally showing up when you don't feel like it and always working on yourself or whatever skill it is or whatever trade it is. And like I said before, like we're just scratching the surface on these topics. Yeah, so how do you go from being an engineer to a contractor? Well, you're gonna have to come around for the next part because we're wrapping this up. <laughs> you've been listening to this podcast and liking it and wondering how do I build a clientele or a business like that I actually have a tool that I created and it's an ebook on how to build a clientele and get good at sales and networking and marketing it is such an important part of growing a sustainable business it's called the art of selling style and you can access my ebook through the link in my bio from my Instagram in conjunction with that I created a journal and it's a tracking journal that will help stylists track their progress, success, their finances, their budget, all their clients that are coming in and seeing them. And it's such a great way to keep track of all the things that you're doing every single week and month. And it's a 90 day tracker to help you succeed and just become the best stylist that you can be. Thank you for listening to The Weekly Therapy. This is Angela Welsh. And if you want more of The Weekly Therapy, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Angela Welsh Designs. Please like, share, and follow for more. Leave your questions. I want to hear them.